Sheila Applegate. And I'm Zach Hansen. And this is Live Sense 8. In this podcast, we dive into the concepts of consciousness and other interesting trivia in the Netflix original series, Sense 8. We're going to do an episode by episode exploration of how we can each live a Sense 8 life. And we're also going to be throwing into the mix some special interviews as we go along. So, Welcome, everyone, and... Welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah. All right, so what's going on, people? This is our new segment. We're calling it What's Going On, and I know you you fans all get it. The Sensei Clusters know what I'm talking about. But we want to give updates about some of the fun stuff that the real-life community of Sensei's are doing. And I say real-life like that because even all the actors and everyone on... On the show said there's such a blur between real life and the show and even the characters are written in so it just blurred right out into all of us which is just amazing so here this is our little segment which I'm just kind of setting up for you because it's the first time we're just kind of giving you some of the things we know again if you have information that you think the sensate world would want to know hit us up at the same places on Twitter or through email so all right so the first Sensei Con happened in Rome, Italy recently. Is that so cool? <laughs> really exciting. I got yeah. to watch some of the clips from that. I know. It felt like I was there just watching. No, it didn't. I wanted to be there. <laughs> but there was a part of me that felt like I was there. Um, and they released the trailer for the special episode. <laughs> oh, it's a special episode, right? Not the finale. <laughs> right. Um but I haven't seen that yet. I don't, but you know, they were lucky to get it. I've been looking for it. I don't know. It might be out here any day now, but at the Sensei, we know that um, Brian, who plays Will, was there. Max, who plays Wolfgang. Toby, the second Capius, the, the now, from the, now on. <laughs> and um, Naveen, who plays Jonas. We know they were all there. I think there may have been some others, but those are the ones I saw a lot. Those are the ones that the paparazzi got shots of. (laughs) That made it to my Twitter feed or our Twitter feed, but we're still building it up because we just started a few weeks ago. So um, we're going to be following a lot more people soon. So anyway, following... Oh, wait. Let's tell you. Coming up, mark your calendars because in March, I think the 3rd and 4th or 2nd and 3rd, um there's another con so in paris in march will be the second sensate con and it looked like a lot of the actors were going to that as well so that's pretty exciting to see what's happening two cons for a canceled show netflix are you listening i know right like this is amazing it's so cool um so this is what happened after I saw a tweet about what Naveen, 
said, who was who plays Jonas, and he said that he thinks we're going to be very satisfied with the finale. Now, he did say finale. So what do you think about that, Zach? Well, that could be a, a lot of things. Some people want um, certain things to happen within the show. So maybe we're going to get all those loose ends tied up. For example, Sun maybe kills her brother. I saw a YouTube comment. Somebody wanted that to happen, <laughs> and the, you know, and she would be satisfied if she got to see that happen. But I think there's potential that they might be able to announce, I don't know, a season three through seven. <laughs> That's what I was feeling. Honestly, when I saw that tweet, and some people got angry that he said it, thinking, how could we ever be satisfied? Because really, we may want this to conclude, but how are you going to conclude all of this? I mean, these guys are miracle workers, and we have. Agreed. But... I don't know. I think it would be really hard. And I guess you could leave some things open and ended so they stay alive in our heads and our hearts. Um, but my, my intuition, not that it's right, maybe it's my hope. I don't know. We'll find out as time goes on. But I thought, I think they're announcing something more after that. And then, yesterday, I saw a tweet from Netflix. The actual Netflix tweeted, I... I say I say that with with hesitation, and you'll know why in a second. I went back to try to look for it Did today. You? I didn't find it. I didn't look hard though. I I saw <laughs> yesterday. I saw a tweet, and it had a picture of Sun, and it was from Netflix, their account, and it said sometimes endings are really beginnings or something like that. And we had just talked about my. Thoughts about what Naveen meant. Mm -hmm. So I like, I reposted it with um, tagging you or, you know, adding you to it. And then seconds later, it hadn't reposted and I couldn't find it anywhere. Twitter so, censorship. Uh. <laughs> no, but usually if something goes away, then you see that it's gone and that wasn't even there. So that. I don't know what dimension I saw that it gets, you know, that hint that we're going to have more, but that's the dimension I'm choosing. If I sure. get to choose a timeline, I'm picking that timeline. <laughs> All right. So today we're exploring um, episode two of season one. I am also we directed by Lana and Lily Wachowski. Written and created by Lana and Lily Wachowski and J. Michael Trzinski. And here's Nomi's future takes a dark turn while the rest of the Sensate's connections become stronger and more dangerous. And we grab that off of IMDb. That's the synopsis there. Yeah, so they didn't really say much, but we can go a little more into it for everyone. I mean, again, before you go any further, remember, well, this show we're going to obviously talk about because, you know, that's what you do when you're addressing an episode, you're exploring it. But remember, we do not promise that there will be no spoilers. And to there, put that more clearly, there, will, there be. will be spoilers along the way. But I was thinking about this because a friend of mine said she was just going to start watching the, uh, the show. 
um, for this podcast, and she was going to watch a few episodes, and I was thinking, okay, so she probably won't get it all in, you know, ahead of us, or she'll be just a little bit ahead of us, and then I thought, it could be really fun to watch it for the first time if you've, you've just a little bit ahead. Even if you do get spoilers, I think it would still be fun because you'd be thinking about, you'd have mm-hmm. conversation about it as you go along. So, and we know what happens. Well, I'll tell you what happens to Zach every week, <laughs> even going through it the second time. He, we watch the episode, and what do you say, Zach? I don't, you tell me. What, what <laughs> you do I say, say, I got nothing. <laughs> I don't see anything in there. There's really not much in this episode. <laughs> and then I just point out a couple things I'm thinking about just to start the conversation going. And then an hour or two later, it's like, oh, right. We have a lot they, to say about this. It, it was. It was a rich episode for sure. But I go, for me, I always look at those. So last time we talked about DMT and they just dropped this line like, yo, life, you're all connected. And it was a huge reveal. Like those are the things I look for. And, and what we, we, we go and we observe in this episode, it really is rich and deep, but it's so subtle that it kind of makes me feel dumb a little bit. Cause I don't really pick up on these things at first. Cause I'm looking for the, the big concepts and it's like, oh yeah, there is a lot here. So uh, it's really potent for well, sure. Well, you know, Besides, subtle is my favorite right. word, and that's probably why I get off on this show so much because I'm always talking about the subtleties are the important. It's mm-hmm. all in the subtleties, and I have so much fun finding them. But anyway, let's go kind of through each person and just give a tiny bit about what's going on with them, the main characters, the eight in this episode. You want to start with Noni? Yep, so the popular... Noni is going to have a popular blog post and they're going to go to Pride and she's going to have that uh, dark turn in the hospital. Yeah. She sees Jonas and everything turns around. She mm-hmm. falls off the motorcycle and she becomes Michael. <laughs> oh no. Her mom's such a dick. <laughs> but she loves her. She loves her with the conditions or right. something like that. <laughs> Talking about conditional love from a parent, she straight out to says, dominate <laughs> you and condition you with my, my money. I mean, my love. <laughs> I'm sure that underneath the conditions, there is some love there. I do believe that. It's just that a lot of people don't know how to love unconditionally. Well, sure, she's her mom, you know, and we just repeat right. what we what we know and what we're we're shown as little kids. So hopefully, we evolve. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, we're getting there, right, humanity? <laughs> All right, so then Will, he also, well, he's actually in the hospital twice in this um, episode. He starts out in the hospital talking to the teen from the gang that he saved the life of last year. And they have a really interesting conversation that we're going to go further into. We got some stuff going on. Oh, and then he ends up in the hospital at the end because of the, um, with Jonas. That's in this episode, right? Or does, am I already doing spoilers? Whoops. Is that a, is that leading into episode three? When So at the end at of the, this episode? At the end, there's a car chase. And that's or, it? Yeah, there is a car chase. Oh, okay. So, so. I, All right. So forget that. Next episode. He starts again in the hospital. <laughs> Told you there'd be spoilers. I. This is a whole journey. It's yeah, hard for me around. to compartmentalize it like this. Okay, so um, we got a lot of cool dialogue with his partner, Diego, um, about some of these things we're talking about, actually. 
got we see the dynamics with his father, and then he's got some pretty cool um, interactions with Jonas and get some information about Noni that we want to dive into a little bit. Lido? Lido, he meets his partner, Fernando. <laughs> and is that Daniela? Daniela. Daniela. Yeah. Well, you know, they have such amazing Spanish accents um, that... I'll never be able to say their names the way in the beauty that they are. But yeah, it's Daniela. So Daniela kind of finds out about New Yorker American. It's Daniela. (laughs) And her man about Lido's secret. (laughs) Yes, we do. We celebrate with some champagne. (laughs) That's fun. You know, let's let's just jump into them a minute because we don't. We're not talking about them too much in our concepts later. I don't think. But one of my favorite lines in there, and it's so, it's one of those things you, oh man, am I, forget it, I'm probably on episode three again. I have to stop watching this much. Okay. (laughs) Well, you're not up to 14 times yet, are you? No, which is interesting, people. This is so cool, and a shout out, I don't know your name right now, but yesterday on Facebook, someone introduced herself to me, and she said she might be the oldest in the cluster she is 74 years old in portland uh, oregon retired and she has watched the series 14 times she loves it that is intense i know i need to get back with her if you're out there (laughs) write to me tell me what you're loving about it what is hitting you so much i mean a lot of people are watching it tend to like it's a personal journey too it is a personal journey yeah. yeah if you don't if you don't want to tell me, you don't have to, but I'd love to know what is sparking. But it's so cool to see the age range going on here. Yeah. Um, oh, because I also saw someone say that their high schooler used it in a report in, in high school. So we got a long, a big range here. Big, wide audience. Demographics yeah. is it's is human. <laughs> it's a human demographic. <laughs> Are you in touch with your humanity? You'll love Sense8. <laughs> Do you, Are you frustrated as heck with humanity? You'll love, love Sense8. Sense8 right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Sun, we don't see too much of Sun this time. We see some... Um, There's just a little blip on the radar Yeah. at the beginning, and she's holding that book. It's a red book. Well, at one point, yeah, like... um, Or a booklet or a folder, a binder. Will is opening a red folder that looks into the past with a girl that was taken away. And at the same time, they flip... I think you're in episode one. I'm helping you move up to episode two. Okay. It could be that it was in the beginning of this episode that she was sitting with a folder. But it could be. The folder comes back up when it, it shows a connection with her and Will... They're both opening the red folder at the same time. Will's is about the little girl that he saw as a child in his dreams. And hers, she's at the office, so we know it. Oh, we do know because then the assistant comes in and we find out that if she doesn't act, then they're going to basically press charges. Are you in episode two? I really think so, yes. You think I'm not? I think so. Anyway. Um, Kala? 
She's got her engagement party going on. and What a party. Are... <laughs> oh, man. Sheila really had to sell this scene to me. <laughs> it was so rough. I enjoyed it. It's fun and entertaining. But I was like, is this real? <laughs> and I say, first of all, I say, we're watching television. The whole point is we don't right. have to stick to the density of reality. <laughs> but... Such a serious Sam sometimes. <laughs> He didn't think everybody should be able to know the dance. So I said, in my world, I choose to believe that it was a common dance, that they all happened to kind of know. And I really watched it after you complained. I watched it some more to see how many actual moves there were in and how repetitive. It's it's a little more than most of the dances you see at a wedding, but, you know, where everyone knows, like the electric slide or... <laughs> the chicken dance. The chicken dance. It was a little more than that. But if you put culture in it, and um, it definitely could have. Plus, we've got all those mob dances going on. Well, there was one thing that sold me, and it's like, well, if Kala loved that dance, and she knew it, and she did it at the club, then he could have rearranged it, or arranged that everybody else practice the dance outside of it. That, I can believe. So that is the story now, so that Zach can enjoy this incredible (laughs) Bollywood um, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, it was awesome, for sure. It's amazing. They worked really hard how... on that scene, too, yeah. from what I hear. Yeah, I don't know how many takes, like 40 or something. I don't know. I know they were tired after that. but um, So that's pretty awesome. And then we've got some connection with her and Wolfgang. Basically, Wolfgang, is... I know we get to see his ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and that's pretty awesome. <laughs> But I don't know. And then we get to see him and Kala and their connection going on. Um, And there is, I think, um, yeah, there's some more Riley and Will connections a little bit. But Sun and Wolfgang and Riley aren't really that. There's not too much movement with their story arcs in this time. Wolfgang. And Kala, Kala gets that experience. So Wolfgang's having sex and she's at the party and she's like, right. She's feeling hot. Yeah. yeah so really we hot, see so. the more connect. We're seeing more connections and a little bit more of the pairing up going on in here. Um, so not that they do ever really, really pair up, which I love because it's not supposed to be about, you know, the prince and the princess meeting each other and living happily ever after, <laughs> finding your one true soulmate. But anyway, yeah, so that's kind of what the episode is about. Um, so we're going to dive into some of the concepts that we saw and some of the subtleties. And as, before we get started, I want to give a shout out to at Vanessa Iris Soda on Twitter, who was the first person to reply to our uh, or comment on our tweet asking what your favorite scene in this episode is. And she said, definitely Nomi's I am a we speech right before the Pride Parade. And then then the comments kind of followed, and that seemed to be a pretty big consensus of opinion. And Mm -hmm. I I think that's a huge, huge part of this episode, especially setting the whole series and what this is about. Absolutely. So let's dive into that. All right, let's do it. So she's basically in this, she's just written, well, she's upset and she and Neats are talking and she's kind of stirred up by the stuff that's happening. And 
and pride because now it's the it's pride week or pride day um and this is bringing back some emotions for her from her family and so needs tells her to write about it because she's a blog writer and then we move over and we see her reading it out loud Mm-hmm. And I loved this because Neitz was in the background cooking, I think, or something. She's in the kitchen, and you see her listening without looking and then looking up a little bit. But it's, to me, that's so natural. Like, I'm totally, you know, if you walk by and I got something I got to read out loud or, you know, mm-hmm. my kids walk by and, like, you may or may not be li- I think she's really listening to her in this one because it's beautiful. Yeah. But, um, you know, you... Basically, you just want to read it out loud. And it was such a perfect setup for her to be able to say this soliloquy, you know, or speech, like um, Vanessa said. So, anything you want to say about it? Yeah, this uh, this is important. This is a big deal, this speech. And the way I saw it was it was done really well. Like, I know there might have been some people complaining on the internet that it was too abrupt and it was kind of force-feeding this idea of pride down our throats. But if you watch how it's done, the way they filmed it and the way they're talking, it's about every person's journey. Yeah. Right? And then they end with pride because ultimately, you know, that's their thing and that's their that's pride's journey. Everybody who's part of that community, that's their journey. And it's different and it's separate. But before that, you know, there's a flashing of going to all the different characters and what they've had to overcome, whatever that may be, right? So whether you're um, gay or you're a woman or you're a black man or you're a white man, it doesn't matter all the different stereotypes. We, as we are conditioned to grow up in society from a young age, from our parents to our our religion, to our schooling systems, all these different, you know, things that we have to overcome to just to learn to accept ourselves. Because from the get-go, we're trying to fit everybody else's mold. And so that's why it was really, I thought it was beautifully done. And I thought that they did show, this is everybody's journey. Yeah, I, I agree. Everybody in the cast and all of us, Mm -hmm. you know, I think no matter who we are, we can relate to that. And it, and, and, and it was very strategic, you know, you, when she talks about shame, they flashed to Will's father with his, Pan, well, no, we figured out he was in a bathrobe. Right. It was hard to tell. I, the first time I thought it was with his gun still in, in his strap and his ankle his holster, ankle strap. Yeah. and um in a bar in a bar in public right and and whose shame was it you know was it will's shame like it's not a judgment but it just they chose that you know was it will's shame was it his father's shame shame of not being able to take care of himself the way because we know at one point will says well jumping back to when he's talking to the teen in the hospital his dad Part of his dad died. A lot of his dad died when he got shot. You know, yeah. a lot of his identity died. So that was interesting too. But she said some really beautiful things. Um, what, and, and I just said the, the shame, but one of the things, when I refer to that, I mean, she said she's talking about her, the religion. I mean, and I think, you know, it's religions or beliefs often that her 
parents pushed on her where she wasn't okay. Pride was a sin, but not hating or shame. And we find that in, well, we're finding it a lot right now right. In, in society where there's a group of people in different, I mean, I'm not going to hold it out to one religion. It comes in different ways, but where we put some sort of higher power belief of supremacy and if you don't fit it, then that's sinful, but it's not sinful of me to judge you for it or to hate you for it or to shame you for it, you know. It's really sad. Like, even just talking about that, my heart hurts. And you feel that. Very barbaric. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I did just kind of clip a little bit about what she said here that I'm going to read you so I get it word for word. She says, I'm marching for that part of me that was once too afraid to march for, for all the people who can't march today. I march to remember that I am not just me. I am also a we. And of course, that's the episode name. So we know it's important, but we know it's important anyway, because that is what this is about. And it's about not, and that goes in a lot of different ways because it's about community. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a she's a we because of the pride community, but she's in in the people that have that life experience. She's a we in her relationship. She's now a we with these eight people around the world, and then the finding of a soul family when you aren't connected to your birth family because sometimes you're just not. Sometimes right. the birth family aren't the ones who get you. And never will be able to give you that unconditional love. But that doesn't mean you can't find it and be a part of something, be understood by people. And then there's the bigger, more um, metaphysical aspect of it, of oneness. Because we are a drop of full consciousness. We are the cells of the universal we as well. Um, Science has already proven this, so it's not a... You know, it's not a theory. We just are a part. We're There's connected one to everything. Field of energy manifesting itself in yeah. zillions of infinite ways. But you know, for me, having taught conscious oneness for so many years, the precision with which they write this is even just this one line is so incredible. Because a lot of times people think, well, it they can't conceive of if I'm one with everything if we're one being how am i also an individual and and so there's that fear of losing oneself into the we Mm. into the oneness so this is strategically saying i'm not just a me so it's not denying that i'm a me i am a me and i am also a we and they put an a in there a we because we in itself is an, ident- an identity. It mm-hmm. is a, it's a being. Um, so we isn't plural. It's a singular we. Um, so, I mean, you know, kudos. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, very awesome. Very awesome. Very layered. And I want to say that... Um, oh, did you have more to say? I didn't no, I was just you. spot on. Okay. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and them. Right, <laughs> right? yeah. Um, So I want to say, too, so I think both 
I, I I think Lana has stated that there's a lot of her in in all of the characters, but especially in Noni. And so I have a quote here that Lana said in one of her interviews that is almost in a way it says the same thing. And I just so and I just want to point out how why this is so important, which I know you all know this, but it's just fun to dive in and and geek out on it. But Lana says, um, I wanted to tell a story in which difference was not something that sets us apart from each other. It was actually fundamentally the thing that united us because difference is the one thing that we all have in common. And to me, that's just something, I mean, I know it's probably something she said in variations in different times, but in that one interview, it was just coming through her, mm-hmm. um, explaining it. But that's the core of her being and the vibration of that in alignment with what gets said in that blog from Noni is just spot on. It's like, that's it. In and his life is so diverse. Right. It isn't black and white. Or black and blue. Right, or black and blue. (laughs) It's not that at all. It's, you know, we have 7 billion individuals on this planet, and we have, you know, we're getting further along than 7 billion, but we all have our own perspective, and we can try to communicate those things, but we're all different in our own ways, and we all kind of have a piece of that puzzle that's going to help somebody else see a different perspective. So we're all just helping each other out, if we're open to it, to progressing towards uh, a better experience for humanity on the planet, in my opinion. That's, that's yeah. the, the pinnacle. Well, and I think sameness can be pretty boring. Mm. You know, it doesn't really help us grow as a we. <laughs> <laughs> or a me. <laughs> so, I do want to say one more thing about Noni. Um, but this is going to jump up to something we're going to talk about in a minute, but it comes out here. So we're going to bounce around a little bit. But one of the other things she says in here, which I want you to hold in your mind, because we're going to come back to that concept in a little bit. But she says, the mistakes I regret were made in fear. Another powerful thing, right? Yep. I mean, we always have a choice in every moment to be in love or in fear. And when we make choices in fear. That's not fun. No, (laughs) it really isn't. Some people live their whole life in fear. Mm-hmm. A lot of people live there. And clearly her parent, her her parents, or we know her mom, like we talked about that, like she seems like such a jerk, but I'm not saying she wasn't behaving like a jerk. But there, and she's saying I love you, and but on my terms. Um, but underlying that is her fear. Right. Right. I mean, that is her baby. And she genuinely believes from what was put on her that her baby is going to hell for all of eternity because she's um, Noni instead of Michael. Um, That's kind of scary shit. Like you can understand when those beliefs get into someone why they behave that way. Right, and those are the religious beliefs, and they don't really talk about the social structure either because they're obviously a wealthy family, and you don't know how, you know, some of those things you don't you want to shuffle under the carpet or put in the closet because you don't want 
your peers as a high level executive or whatever to know about these things. So uh, I think it's a very layered situation Absolutely. when it comes to how um, she's being treated by her mom. I agree. So hold on to that because we're going to dive deeper into the whole fear idea in a little bit, but we're going to bounce over to, we just kind of referenced it. <laughs> Zach said it's not black or white and I said it and it's not black or blue because we have another um, social concept that's being explored mm-hmm. lately, um, at least in the States here, uh, with a Black Lives Movement, which was then responded to with the Blue Lives Movement, and suddenly it becomes black and white, and we have to, you know, there's this sense that you're supposed to pick sides of which one so we do right we we draw lines in the sand all police officers are bad all black people are bad or all police officers are awesome and all black people are bad so they really started diving into this in the first episode when will makes the choice to take the the child um to the hospital and the hospital says we won't you know we won't um help a a gunshot victim, but then the nurse who is black comes up to Will and says to him, um, if this child lives and he ends up killing someone, how are you going to feel about that? Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting the way they were able to re- all right, let me make a, a disclaimer here. I am a white woman, so I am coming from this perspective, and you can tell me if you think I'm, not you, Zach, you right. listeners, can tell me if you think I'm off in any way. But from my life experience, um, they did a good job of breaking down those la- layers and making us remember that there's all kinds of sides and, and that this isn't an issue. Like, it is an issue. It becomes this issue. But we can't put people's lives into a social issue. It doesn't work that way. In each given situation, you have to make decisions, and they're always layered. And we're going to dive into, like, the journey that Will takes with this and how it impacts, you know, because we have it rolling over from last episode where she, even his partner's like, no ambulance is going to come here. And that's because of history or whatever is happening. Um, and he says, are you crazy? Like, you you don't help this kid. But there's this kid. I mean, he a is a kid. He's a human being and he's a kid who clearly was formed by his environment laying there saying, help me with a gunshot, you know. So Will helps him. And so when we hit this episode, they're in the hospital, and I love their banter and their dialogue. And um, I, I love—I mean, I don't know—I don't even know the kid's name, but I don't—he does come up in the episodes later, so I will get his name. Um, but just little—I don't know. We won't know until we get to season three, four, five, and six <laughs> if he comes up anymore. But. Um, one of the beautiful things, this is one line that he does, kind of sticking now a little bit with the flow of the episode, but we open with Will in the hospital and they're still dialoguing. And in that scene, that's when he asks 
they both had their fathers were shot, one on the side of the gang. I don't know if he was shot by a police officer or not. I don't think they said. They don't say who shot his dad, the the child's dad, but Will was Will's dad was shot on duty and there's it's alluded to it had something like, you know, similar dynamics to it. I don't know if they straight out say it, but that was the presentation I got. Um and then they chat about it and the kid asks Will if his father died and he says something like, you know, Parts of him died, which mm-hmm. we talk about. So um, that also shows up in the scenes later, you know, like when he lost his identity as a police officer, and his dad had that happen, his his pride, his beingness went away, and he ends up just drinking in the bars. For sure, it's a, it's a. I have met uh, one police officer in my life, and I'm actually going to reference him later in the show. But, you know, as a police officer, you're kind of on all the time. Like, there's no turning it off. It's not like you clock out at 9 o'clock and you go home and then you're not a cop anymore. So I think it's really hard for them to transition between work and personal life. And what that will cause is a huge, um, and this is my perspective, right, just a huge identity is built into being a police officer so when you take away your purpose right that was his purpose and when you take that away and you break down that identity and you're just kind of in shambles like that's really hard to go through as a person and that's just one scenario as a police officer i mean this can be anything right and i think that there is a you know i mean there's a code among police officers just like there's a code among gang members Mm -hmm. and i don't think they're all that different at their core. I'm not saying they play out the same way or they think that they're the same, but I think at the core, some of the those principles are principles similar. probably yeah. look the same if we were to dissect them. Um, Good old boys club. Right. That's and what I like the, to call that. <laughs> so, but it's interesting. So this kid then in that scene, at that end of that scene, as they're separating, he says to Will, he says, you know, I don't owe you for what you did, but you should know I will never forget it. And that is so huge to me. I mean, it does come up in the plot later a little bit, but that piece, as we're talking about codes, you know, like mm-hmm. the the code of, well, for my career, it was code of ethics, but, you know, it's a, I think I was ethical in the you know <laughs> we all have a code, right? Even as a social work, we had a code we were supposed to live by. And um so when you think about that, a lot of times on the street he it's a it's a I did this for you, now you do this for me. Or and in a relationship. In relationships too, <laughs> right. I mean it is a, it's all it's right. you know, it's around all of society, but for this kid you know, it seems kind of like he's on defense, like, you know, I don't know you. But it's actually, to me, I took it a lot deeper because a lot of times when someone helps you in those situations and uh, in some groups where everybody's in survival mode, I help you. Now you owe me and I get to call it in whenever, whenever you know. And it's it's a power play that... Um, goes with a territory and he's saying this doesn't fit in there 
this um this is we're not applying those rules to this mm-hmm. but i will never forget this and and to never forget that a police officer showed him love even i mean he was conscious when the partner said don't do it the ambulance mm-hmm. won't come when the hospital went to reject him um so he was there and we don't see anyone else there right will was there when he wakes up so it hit to his core and i think that that's the piece right how do we change this we do good deeds like i'm not mm-hmm. saying that will had to do what he did but showing love Showing respect, showing the honoring of a humanist that you see them and you understand them is the way to shift those things. I thought that was, you know, this kid's maybe 13 to 16. Yeah, uh, 16 is probably the high end. Mm -hmm. And he's also, that's a, he's pretty stern with Will. So you got to know that him as a character, he's had to grow up and become a man as he would in the hood, right? Whatever that means. And he's looks in the eyes and says, this isn't, we're not going to do this. Right. So he's also presenting himself as a confident man Mm -hmm. as well. So it was very interesting too. And there's a code between men in respect, um, that I connected with in that scene as well. Yeah, that's true. And then we move to the next code when we jump over to the scene where Will then goes into the bar where his dad is. This isn't the, the flash where he his dad's passed out. Um, his dad's at the bar with his fellow police officer mm-hmm. friends. And um, he walks in and none of them are happy with him. They're all giving him... Nope. They're not happy with him at all. They're they got to shun him because he did the wrong thing. Right. He broke their code. Mm-hmm. He, he chose the wrong side. So right. we start to see that even someone like me on the outside being feeling like I'm being forced to choose a side is less maybe than people right involved in it. Um, but and his dad gives him shit. Like his dad literally gives him his shit. <laughs> like I thought that was really funny. He just like takes his Club, bag, out, bag out yeah, and, and throws it on the, the table. table and says, empty this for me. And it's just such a fun symbol of giving them him shit because he does. His dad is kind of mocking him. He's going along with the police officers. He makes will buy them all a beer. And then one guy who happens to be the only black guy there says, I'm not going to take traders beer. And then there's a joke about, well, the deer, the beer's neutral, you know, right. you can't drink mine. <laughs> but that little tiny line again, because it's like, there's he a- felt like he had to choose sides. He literally represents both of the population. Not, not, we don't know where he grew up as far as socioeconomics go. But he, it mean, it, it, he clearly, and maybe you could say that the, if it was a white gang member, they would have done the same thing, and they could have. But I think the, the dialogue going on in our society right now that's being reflected here just shows that, you know. And I've also seen people leave their communities for whatever reason, depending on what the community is. Like even Noni, she left the community, so she's a traitor. You know, sometimes even when people better themselves and get out, right. um, I've seen that a lot um, with the people near me where, you know, there's a, a community that isn't as healthy. And when someone's working their way out, they, 
they get treated sort of like a traitor. So it's a very, you know, another one of those subtle lines that is just loaded with possibilities of thoughts and conversations. Right, which takes us back to the Nomi's blog even, right? Right. Like we grew up in a, in a certain way, and now we are becoming a better version of ourselves, more conscious or whatever may have you, and we don't want these habits and we don't want these things because maybe that's ultimately going to make our lives shorter and it's not loving to ourselves to to be this way anymore and we want to step out and it's not very well wide received because those people have to then look at themselves exactly. as a reflection and all the triggers just trigger up and everybody's feeling uncomfortable so you just gotta you know make sure that doesn't happen right because if somebody else changes the, the shunning and the shaming you know but if somebody around me changes and i really can't say you know that's not my responsibility like i i have to take responsibility if somebody else gets out of a situation that I'm saying is overpowering me, um, then I have to realize there's also a choice within me with that. So, yeah, that was interesting. But then when we hone in on Will and his dad, it changes. So there's the perception on the outside, what I got to do with the guys, mm -hmm. and then there's father-son, and, and it shifts. I mean, he throws him his shit, literally, in a bag, but then he takes it back. He literally takes the shit back that he gave his son. And then he starts talking to him, and he, he genuinely says, you were the one in the situation. You had to do what was right for you, mm -hmm. and I respect you for that. So even though he's playing this game... He's got that genuine moment of, I get it. We are all individuals in these situations and making decisions that we have to make that we can live with. And, but he again does point out, you know, what happens next, you're going to have to. He says that. Sure, yeah. Whatever happens next, you got to deal with it. You made the decision that was right for you at that time when if something happens, good or bad, you're the one responsible to deal with it. I think that's awesome. And this is a lot about Will's father. Right. Because right? He, 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 it's a father telling his son that he's proud of him. Right. So that's, to me, that's a big deal. Um, yeah. Personally, yeah. Especially when he has that. to right. break from his group to say it. You but know? also as a good parent, not that I am one, but you also want to teach independence and you want to allow your children to live their lives and make the mistakes that they're going to make because that's their journey. Right. So it's he does remind him, mm -hmm. but he's also allowing him to do that and grow as a person. Right. And then we go into where he he puts his fears on him in a second. But as you were talking, I was thinking we're also seeing there the group mentality. So why saying, all, you know, saying black lives matter, blue lives matter and putting grouping people instead of looking at individual. I mean, all lives matter. Like, really, I mean. I understand the movement of Black Lives Matter, and we need to honor that because it hasn't been honored. Mm -hmm. um, and when people brought up All Lives Matter, um, it was often just to counter that. But beyond that, it's still true. <laughs> you know, they do matter. Life matters. But um, and you you matter for being a human being, not for your circumstances. But 
we see Will's father as an individual. So when he walks into the bar and they're all together, we see them as a collective. And the, and the impression that they give us isn't that loving, right? But then when we separate the individual and we see even in there, we see them as individuals, we start to see their beauty. Mm-hmm. And that's the importance of no matter what group of people we're looking at, we have to look at individuals. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, us versus them doesn't really work out that well for the <laughs> whole. And humanity just tries to repeat that. There, it's very um, to me. Those are puppet strings. They're divisive. Uh, just look at America and the election recently. <laughs> like that was crazy, crazy um, dynamics going on. And we're seeing a lot of this social upheaval and things like this a lot so we have will here in the middle of it choosing not to play that role and doing what he needs to do so that says a lot about will too yeah and then this kind of gets into parent dynamics too that we're weaving into the whole thing but then it moves on when will starts bringing up the little girl Mm -hmm. and um whatever that case was which we're not going to find out i won't spoil this stuff for you but we won't find out much more about that and until later but he basically tells him like he's honoring him make your own decisions you got to live with it but then when he mentions the when will mentions the girl again in that case he's like don't say anything you get hurt saying something about that and they will put you in a psych test and have you out of here so quick you don't know what so what's going on or Mm -hmm. whatever so basically we see that protective parent like i can see you as an individual don't let the world like i don't want you to go down that road that scares me because of what other people will do for you which i think Nelly's mom probably had some of that going on too if we can see her loving underneath <laughs> it's somewhere in there yeah <laughs> somewhere so yeah i mean it's a big deal that's that's how organizations and stuff you know if he brought that up and it's like a whistleblower when they come out with something somebody doesn't want you to see it's not good right but usually the public is like yeah and then the establishment's like, boo. <laughs> so it's just another us versus them situation. But um, but it also so, gets into trust. Like, who can we speak to and who can we trust? Which is our next yeah. topic. So, yeah. Well, a lot of this episode, so Nomi, she was talking earlier about how basically she, the worst decisions she's made in her life are out of fear. Right. And th- that causes regret. So we're talking about trust, and we have all these characters that are kind of losing their mind, and they don't know what's going on yet, right? So they're opening up to sensations that they have no idea. They're feeling like shit because they've had a migraine for like three or four days. And so they're having a tough time, and um, their reality is shifting. So that's another layer of the, the right. trust factor in their shoes, in their situation, right, as we're reminded, this was filmed where each scene were only given what the character knows at the time as well. Exactly. Right. So we're experiencing it with them um, as they take the journey, which is uncomfortably cool. <laughs> uh, but even so, even just following the concept with Will and who do you try? Like, 
he can talk to his dad, who is a member of the cop community, but he can't talk to him as a cop in the group, but he can talk to him over here about it. His dad isn't even saying you're crazy for that. He's he saying said, Don't do it. If you do that, they will say you are crazy. They will. So his dad probably knows that something real was going down there. And then Will also talks to his partner, which is pretty awesome. Um, his partner at work, Diago, right? Is that his name? Yeah, Diego, Diago. Diego. Um, he, they get some. I know you love the way they I do dialogue. Like their dialogue. Um, they really throw in a lot of these concepts, and um, but Diego can relate to some degree, um, but we know he's not stopping Will. But would it, going on, could it be harder for him? You know, because he, he gets, he's not, he's open to it, but he has, well, okay, so he experienced he, the one thing. He's open, but limited. He can only go so far Exactly. With it, right? He's not against it. He's not, he doesn't think it's crazy. He doesn't have a depth of understanding. Right, and he, can, he just can't relate to these yeah. experiences. So, so he has the one, one thing where his so, the, he's walking a dog, right? No, so, so the scene is is there. Uh, Will and Diego are. It's like the morning briefing at the police station, and they're walking down in to get uh, brief for the day. And they're sitting they're sitting down at their table, and um, Diego says something along it's like, "Oh, I've had some psychic experiences myself." And Will says, nocturnal emissions don't count. <laughs> and I, I believe that's the scene you're talking about. Yes, and that was the term, Zach. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I said, Zach, what? he goes, it must be dreams. Yeah, a dream. And I'm like, I think it means more than a dream, Zach. I think it means a wet dream. And she was correct. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it really a really fun. funny line. Right. right. That was... Especially to say to your partner. So <laughs> They're teasing each other about, like, Will gets, like, it's good. that Their partnership yeah. is amazing. So They have an amazing amazing partnership right. yeah um which is another cool thing in the theme as a whole like these characters for the most part son is left out there alone but she does have her teacher um from mm -hmm. the martial arts that she can trust but um right from the start these characters mostly have some really great support outside of the cluster that trust them and let them be them while still hold, grounding them maybe a little bit mm -hmm. into their lives which is pretty awesome it yeah. is awesome but even with that you can only say so much to some people right um and then know me do you have other stuff about the friendships and trust i mean we want to talk about know me and trust too yeah so the the idea though is these these sensates can only go so far with who they trust and it's it's that way because we have so many barriers that we have to go through in life as a human being to play different roles for other people instead of being authentic to ourselves Right, so that's the theme of the entire show. Right. And I think with that, I'm looking at, you know, because we want to look at ourselves. As in episode in two. Yeah. <laughs> the entire show. show, episode two of season <laughs> right. one. Um, but I think turning it back on us, like, how do we do that? You know, because I've kind of lived a life that most people think is crazy. I came from social work. 
clinical therapy degree, clinical, you know, um, where there were hallucinations and there were diagnoses and there were drugs to suppress it. Back then, I early on came to the conclusion, I was opening to this, well, I've been like this kind of my whole life, but I was opening to learning how to use this even in my earlier career and um and you have a master's right in social work i have a master's in social work and it was probably my last mainstream job before i shifted over to do full-time spiritual energy work um that working i was actually working with the oneida indian nation so it's a culture that's more open to, to different things, which was a good bridge for me. Um, but I really came to the conclusion there with some of the people that psychosis or hallucinations, as we would diagnose it, and the visions that I, you know, so here I have all these visions and I'm communicating with the non-physical and I'm doing all this. And then you've got patients in the clinic who are getting drugs for their hallucinations, um, which aren't that off from mine, except that they're in fear and I'm in love. So my core in interpretation and openness is in, in love and theirs were, was in fear. And that's a huge difference, how we perceive it and how we present it. And then also, how do you say things? You know, do I, you know, now I'm out publicly for a while. So pretty much, you know, it's me. If you're going to come get me, come get me. But I always tell people, well, if I'm crazy, um, there's a lot of really cool people in my life who are also crazy and I've made a whole career out of it. So <laughs> should be good about that. But um, so we've got Noni here and they're all opening to these visions, Right. And Noni gets in the hospital situation with her parents, her mom, and her sister's trying to be a bridge, but her mom is clearly triggering all of her fears, and she becomes isolated from the people that are balancing her. Meets is kicked out of the hospital, and Dr. Metzger... Which, which is, you got some little tidbit there, which is awesome that you found. Go ahead. What what is Metzger? Metzger means butcher in German. German. So pretty interesting. Um. So now they're putting fear in. So now this doctor, because we put power in doctors and butchers, <laughs> we put power in doctors titles. Pictures, right? Here's, you don't know if those are her. You know, someone shows you an x-ray. How do you know that's your x-ray? You know, but they put this up there. They've got the parent, the mom in fear already. And they tell her that she has, um, A-L, frontal, no. It's oh, man. Unification of the frontal lobes in the brain. Where they but kind of meld together. I don't remember the the, the A um, is the word the word that made. So anyway, this is the AFL S. It's AFLS. So it's it, it's like unidentified. It's another. It's an A word for unidentified um, frontal lobe syndrome. 
and they 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 give this title and it's not a real disease in our world <laughs> could be in the show we don't know if it is in the show yet i'm saying it probably isn't i mean i looked it up because my parents one of my parents has alzheimer's and one has frontal lobe dementia so i mean i was very curious about it but you picked up on that and so we searched it it's not a disease so we don't know if it's gonna if it was a fake disease to begin with so they could go and butcher her head which we've seen in the flashbacks of will's memory the little girl had the procedure done um but everything she's locked in she's being given drugs now and we know that you know drugs can change your your senses senses and um and now she doesn't have trust she doesn't have the people who she can trust she can't and they tell her she can't trust herself and that's the key because that happens to a lot of people in a lot of different ways but if you can't trust yourself then who can you trust? Exactly. Then nothing, then all reality goes away. If you haven't come to a conclusion that there's a baseline <laughs> of your reality, a core to your reality that you're going to hold, you know. According to you and your experience. Right, right. When I was young, with my heightened intuition, the hardest thing for me was when my parents lied to me. And they may have done it for good reason. You know, you think a kid doesn't understand something, so you tell them. Or even as simple as if I could feel my mom's energy really upset, and I said, what's going on or what's wrong? And she said, everything's fine. Blew me out of the... Like, my whole system went into whack mode. Because if I can't trust my intuition, I can't trust Mm -hmm. anything. So for with my kids, I would always say... I'm upset right now. It's nothing that you can you need to know about. It will be okay. Everything will be okay. I just have to experience this right now. Because there's those subtleties that tell us we can't trust our intuition. Just in the politeness, you talk to, hey, how you doing, Zach? Oh, I'm great. And then we're supposed to be like, oh, okay. Even though, like, you might be radiating out, but you're, right. you know, ready to go jump off a cliff. And we're like, oh, polite. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> so... Yeah, that happens. He totally strips her of her trust in herself. And, uh, well, she already doesn't know what's going on with herself. Right. She was already trying to figure that. I mean, this awakening is disruptive. And how many people have spiritual awakenings and then freak out and say... And don't know what it is what or there's no or... context around you for any of this. Right. It's rough. Which is also partly why we did the show. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's super hard. She she does have a, a dark turn in that little room locked in a tower. <laughs> and then Jonas appears. But you can't trust if Jonas is real. Because the door's locked. Because the door is locked, but he appeared. Right. Um But he says to her to try I didn't grab his exact quote for her. Um I do I did grab it when we get to Will, but he basically said you know what's real and what isn't. He comes in and gives her back her power, or at least attempts to. He says, you're the one that knows. You know inside of you what feels right and what doesn't feel right, which is the most important thing we can give to anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, So he does do that for her, but 
she still kind of flips out a little bit. Like, she still doesn't know. Yeah, she doesn't know. She doesn't know. And Mm -hmm. she can't. And then you hear a knock on the door. And she doesn't know if she heard a knock on the door. Which she didn't, really, because the knock was in one of the other Sensate's lives. Was it, though? Yeah. Because... Uh, Nita said, tells her on the phone that she not she went to every door. Oh, okay. So maybe it was. But a, it could have been both. Well, they flashed. Yeah, right. it could have been both. So, oh, does she say that later yeah. that she knocked? So to the door, she's got a knock on the door. Here, she's been looking for Anita, and she meets is there, and she doesn't find her. Right. She doesn't answer the door because she just saw who knows what in her room, and then he's just gone. In the like right before right. eyes, and then there's a knock. She's going crazy, right? Right, and then even when Needs calls the phone, she almost doesn't answer it. So mm-hmm. you can see how someone who doesn't who's trust told themselves. not to trust themselves, who doesn't trust themselves, who's getting that vision, can close themselves further out of reality. Because if she hadn't answered that phone and heard her on the other end, she wouldn't have had that hope to get out. I'm starting to recall what. Um Jonas said to her and basically what he said is as soon as you woke up in this hospital room you knew that you were in trouble okay and so I'm going to segue there a little bit um back in 2010 I was at a martial arts seminar and one of the presentations that was given was kind of a lecture and it was by the police officer that I mentioned and he was talking about a study that was done and it's documented and written about, but basically what they did is they took people who were um, part of a violent crime or incident and they put them, and they lived, and they put them into a hypnotic state and they got into their subconscious mind and they asked some questions about the day. And all of them had the intuition that something was not right, but none of them did anything about it. Mm. So... This is why it's so important to trust ourselves and to not um, override or not think about or even check or second, you know, we need to be able to trust ourselves to follow those little hunches, those little pieces of intuition or like, oh, oh shit moments, like I, I should do something. Um, and when we do follow them, they usually pan out. And if it's nothing, at least you checked, right? But that was something that stuck with me is when you know especially when i teach martial arts it's about teaching awareness first Mm -hmm. because self-awareness and situational awareness those are gonna not get you in confrontation in the first place so if you're following those but anyway i think that's really important to know and that all of these characters are second guessing themselves because they have no context for what it means to have visions or anything like that. And they have the society telling them, you know, you got to be the certain way. Um, so it's very, very interesting. So trust your gut. Yes. <laughs> A takeaway from today's uh, right. episode. <laughs> trust yourself. Yeah. Double check. Check on those things. Your senses. Well, and then, so now let's give to Jonas and Will um, and the trusting again, because Jonas is giving us really great information and getting them through. Really, he really is helping them get through this situation right now. I know you think, I mean, we don't know who he is, what he's done. I think that. I just say, I, I, me personally, I still think he's a questionable character. That's I think that saying. they create non judgmental layered characters who have all sides. 
and I think he has a lot of sides, just like the cops had sides, the gang right. has yeah. sides. Yeah. I think um, that we're going to see some of that. But in this situation, he is giving these people exactly what they need to get in their power. So if he was really trying to hurt them, you know, he could just leave them and they'd implode themselves probably. But he's someone coming in and giving them some of the guidance and wisdom that they need right now to make some sense of it. So he shows up in the the store. Will is getting the Sleep sleeping medicine. pills. And, and I have to, I love the store clerk. I mean, I don't, I don't, he's, he's just funny. I don't even know what he, he made no sense. He went to some conference and everybody's. The training? Like uh, the I think, training it, I know, it seemed like it must be training for working, but he like works in this little it's not even a drugstore. It's just this little mart. You yeah, know, like, like how much training store. did he get? Right. But it, whatever. It was a great line. He's like, their pills are like shoes. Or drugs are like shoes. Everybody needs them, but they don't always fit right. You right. Know? <laughs> like, anyway, he's he was adorable little, you know, like whoever. I, I'll have to look up your name and give you a shout out sometime because you nailed that little role there. Claim it. Um, so anyway, Will's in there, and then he goes to look at the Psychic, so mm-hmm. magazine. Sedona's right? up there, I think, and then Psychic <laughs> magazine. <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some little uh, touches. Of- it did remind me. We were, so Zach and I were out. Um, one of the magazines put an article about me in it, so we had gone to Burns & Noble to look, because I didn't even know the article. I didn't. I don't really read those magazines, and I didn't know. But we knew the name, so we went looking to see if it was at Barnes & Noble, and we ended up going down that rabbit hole and finding some interesting magazines, and we brought them home that night, and we really had fun. Yeah, it was a fun journey. <laughs> some of it was we were cracking up. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we're not limiting anything, but the presentation of some of the stuff really, we had a it lot of fun. It was hysterical. And then we had an um imagination of the spirit world looking down at us laughing at us laughing at the magazine and then we just went on that rabbit hole forever <laughs> okay so joan will looks at the magazine and then jonas shows up and oh and big plot point is we now have we forgot that the government that the police force was told that jonas is like the federal, there's a federal, some... There's a guy in a suit that tells a bunch of cops that they're looking for this bad guy. And it's on a like federal task force for... Yeah. No, it's something, it, right. they already, it's one of those bizarre, right. like, we just created a, for, a tax force on the federal level to come in and take right. care we of this. Create some <laughs> alphabetical agency. Right, so... Will is supposed to be looking for Jonas. So he knows him, but he responded. When he saw the picture, he had memory of him in some way. Um, So he sees Jonas. He knows that he's the guy he's supposed to take in as a cop. And he turns to Jonas, and he he says something to him about that. And, And again, this I got down. Jonas says, you know what they told you, and you know what your senses are telling the question is, which of these are you going to trust? Brilliant line. Mm-hmm. Another brilliant line, right? So um, That's really his message to the characters. Him and it Jonas, really like, is. Who are you going to trust, yourself or what everybody else is telling you? Right. And what was your experience 
and, 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 and reminding him, you know, like, you know, these answers, you don't need it from me. He's not coming in and telling him, oh, I'm not a good guy. You know, I'm a good guy or you need me or giving him any background that could help him. He just says, he's a guru. <laughs> he is a guru. <laughs> That's why I love him. That's why I think I feel like I'm protecting you, Jonas. <laughs> um, so if we follow just that theme there, in the end of the conversation, Will's listened to that line. And then even we're going to talk about some of the other things he says, because that kind of goes off into a different offshoot. But he has this conversation with him, and we know that Will knows in his senses mm-hmm. who Jonas is. And they, and then Jonas gives him more guru information that he needs exactly. I mean, nobody else has shown up and understood him the way Jonas does in this moment. And then Will says, but I'm still a cop. I'm going to have to arrest you. And then Jonas, and this is where we, brilliance of going back to the original scene with his dad when we're trying to figure out why the, like, the scene about the gun in the holster um, and the ankle holster is Jonas says to him, in the time that you can reach down to grab your gun in the ankle holster, I will already have whatever you, you know. Mm-hmm. And then that's when we see on your side of it, he's probably done some, he knows his martial art. Like, this guy knows how to fight. Yeah. <laughs> Not that you have to have gone on the dark side, but he did something in his life that wasn't all guru love because <laughs> he kicked sure. ass. <laughs> right. And, um, and just will down and gives him a little spanking. Right. And then... And then the, the clerk's like, nah, cool, dude. Right. <laughs> Should I call I the cop? And I was like, I am a cop. And they go running out. Now, okay. And then they're in that whole chase scene. Another Which brilliant. Is cool, yeah. Yeah, another brilliant thing. And it's in that scene um, that we talk, We can get into talking about teleporting and how that all happens. But um, Jonas... And I thought I had gotten these these quotes for you guys, but I didn't. So I'm sure you, some of you know them, or we can maybe we can put it up on our Patreon. Um, but he he basically says to him, "I have the answers." So they're in this car chase, but in the car chase, Jonas pops into Will's car, then Will pops into Jonas's car, and they're having this conversation as they're driving. And uh, and Jonas basically tells him, "I have the answers you're looking for if you." do away with me now you'll never find them mm-hmm. you know um but also will at one point says am i am i losing my mind am i losing right. my mind another brilliant line i mean how can we like right. catch all these lines he and jonah says no it's, it's is just my, expanding. yeah he says no it's just expanding um which i know that feeling i mean there's mm-hmm. times when i felt my mind expand and stretch and when i'm teaching i talk about expanding our consciousness um but it sure can feel like that's a brilliant line another brilliant it is um but going back to the store just because we i pushed this off because we want to talk about um the sensations that they're all getting this is key to that but when they're dialoguing and he talks about Angelic, or he said, I saw you with a woman who killed herself or something like that. And uh, I think they did see him there. And that's what they, how they come up to it. And he says something about her death. And then Jonas says, we all experience many deaths and many births. 
within our lives, but not many know what it means to be reborn as sensate. So now they're getting the information, he's getting the information of what happened to him, and he says, you have a migraine, and, the, and that's like clear evidence, Will knows, like, okay, they're all getting migraines, and, and Will's like, okay, he knows this about me. Um, but then he says, you will start to feel strange things. You will feel snow in the middle of the summer when there isn't a cloud in the sky, or rain when there isn't a cloud in the sky. You'll feel anger and joy and pain and pleasure without any reason. And that's when he was standing in front of him at the magazine rack. Right, in yeah, the it's back store. in there um, before the chase. I, I bounced on us, but... That, I just wanted that piece out because think about this, like everybody, all of you listening. <laughs> um, how many times, and, and there's times in the episode we can talk about with cravings and we see it happening to them, but how many times have you had a feeling that you didn't know why? Like suddenly you get sad and you don't know why you're sad. And you assume that it's, you, you search in your brain and you find a story and you decide to attach to it. But sometimes it's just sadness. And sometimes it's not even yours. And the more, or joy, you know, and the more you become connected to that and realize that it's more satiant than we give notice to, we're not little, into, we're, <laughs> we're also a we. Right. And, um, so that experience, it's reminding me when my son was really little, maybe like three, we were in the Iraq war and I was telling, so a three-year-old and a five-year-old that was probably in my car with me, my daughter and my son, and I was talking about the war in Iraq and my son said, oh, that's not good. And he, then he said, I have friends there. And my daughter, who was five at the time, she's like, you can't have friends there. Mommy, tell him that he can't have friends there. Because she knew a little bit about geography, literally. Mm -hmm. And he says, I do have friends there. I had them when I was with God, and that's where they were going. Or I had them when I was in, I don't know what language he used. And that's where they were going. And it blows my mind to think about this now and who he knew that's in Iraq and as they grew up were there times when he was feeling because even young sometimes he just had these random explosions I mean he's he's so low-key like it's hard I'm sure for you to even think of it now but he'd have just these outbursts that came out of nowhere like was that something with someone somewhere else you know Mm -hmm. and then we experience those feelings more and more i'm sure you felt it with people that you're close to but yeah i think the 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 big thing is is if you have these experiences and you don't know where they come from like a lot of times if you're not exposed to any type of training or you don't have somebody in your life that you can tell you these things you're like oh this is my problem i gotta deal with it or whatever it may be but really you're just kind of tapping into the the universal energy of we if you will and uh, and that collective consciousness and pulling out some information that doesn't even isn't yours per se that wasn't your thoughts or 
feelings or whatever and it just kind of you're processing it for somebody else or getting right. a premonition of something somewhere in timelines well like i think we gotta like be careful i mean flurry. you can be getting a premonition but i right. think a lot of times people will bounce to that like so they get a bad feeling and then they think something that you know in the fear sometimes we think a bad premonition and right there and are techniques to, to understanding me. right but for me a lot i notice um i'll get some of the stuff going on with my clients. So in the mm-hmm. morning before um, a client arrives or like in the time before the client um, connects with me, I start to have these weird thoughts, weird feelings. And I, you know, more and more I know, oh, maybe it's, I don't attach to things so much anymore. I just kind of wait to see. And then they show up and they describe exactly what I had felt for a while, you know. So, um you learn not to hold on to them or make them a big deal or realize you have to fix yourself. Um, and they like for me, it's sometimes it's food cravings. I'm like, I'm craving this food and it is not my type of food. Why do I have this craving? So that's very interesting too. Cause I'm and just they like, have, right. I'll, and, I'll come down and into the, the house. I'll be like, all right, are we having this for dinner? Cause you know, whatever I think we are. And somebody's like, Oh yeah. Or, you know, you, were craving Doritos not too long ago, and you were just like, "What is going on with this?" And we turned out it was the you're on a, a, um, a TV show interview, and it was the gentleman was craving Doritos that was interviewing you, right? And, and I didn't even know him, right? And I actually traveled to the interview, so he wasn't local. And like leading up to it, it yeah, it would just like taste Doritos, right? Like what? <laughs> and it wasn't even. It would be like I would taste Doritos and be like, "Ooh, I like the taste of Doritos." But I didn't take it to, you know, like, and I think, oh, maybe I want Doritos, but that would go away, and the thought would go away. And then I mentioned it to him, and he's like, oh, I've been eating Doritos or craving Doritos all week. And I'm like, okay, you know. Right. Um, yeah, and then when the person, like, my my closest um, person, soul, from what I would say is my cluster, when he was alive, he had a... A drinking issue <laughs> um, and I always knew even if he wasn't here I knew when he was gonna go because he would like not drink and then he would binge you know like and then he would go without drinking and I knew he was gonna go on a binge is I would start craving beer like I would wake up in the morning and look at my refrigerator and think I want a beer like that's just not me I'm not a huge drinker I, I don't think you know I don't maybe in college I drank in the morning I don't even think I did then you know like it's just not in my head and it would just in at first I thought I was going crazy when that stuff first started happening because like, what's wrong with me? Do I have an addiction? Like, it would be on my mind all day. Like, I just want a beer. I just want a beer. And then I started to see the pattern. And I'd be like, yeah, I know what's going to happen next, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And we see that in the show because um, you talked about how Kala felt hot when Wolfgang was having sex. But then right after, he suddenly got a craving for Indian food. And she said that, you know, her dad's this incredible cook. And they just had this big banquet of Indian food. Right. And he needs Indian food. I I believe he did say it was an unusual craving. Yeah. 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 And then he goes to the restaurant. And then we get the telepathic, or I mean, the um, teleportation. I mean, they've been all bouncing. But I want to talk about that scene for a quick second. Because I noticed... They were each perceiving 
in that scene, they were each perceiving the other person where they were. And I think that's kind of different than where some of the other scenes are. So Kala is on the balcony and she sees Wolfgang down like below mm-hmm. her um, in the same setting as where she is. But he's in the Indian restaurant and he's seeing her walk through the crowd. And there's an interesting twist to that because the people, they were staying present in where they were but they were seeing the person come to them versus when, oh, now I'm in this broken down church with this lady that's going to, you know. Or in so there's like the popping, like, right. So there's that perception. And I think it kind of can go both ways. Sometimes we see it um, when, you know, sometimes we perceive people coming to us, but they may perceive that we went to them. And then other times we may actually go to the spot. Um, and perceive our surroundings. For me, when I was younger, speaking of alcoholism again, but one of my best friends, um, when I was younger, his mother was an alcoholic, so he we used to talk on the phone every night, but he didn't ever let me in his house, ever. And then years later, um, I was asked to come to his house by someone else in the family. Like we weren't really even in touch and I had to go to the house for something. And I realized I knew the house every, I knew every part of the house because I'd been teleporting there for so long when I was a child. But interestingly, it was mirrored. Like it was the exact, uh, like where I saw things were like a mirror image of the way the layout was. But So it's the difference. And yeah, I just wanted to kind of, geek out on teleporting mm-hmm. and we'll get a lot more time to talk about that later but um but the cravings the feelings that they're getting and Jonas is able to explain that a little bit to them and how much we need that you know like when we're starting to open up to being more than a me mm-hmm. it, we have to start Getting on a that little, level, right? Yeah, and getting a little more fluid about how we're... And it's nice to be exposed to these concepts from somebody who's had these experiences, right? Versus trying to do it in the dark, because sometimes you don't know. Exactly, and I think that's what's... So here we've got the little bit of a... We're only episode two in this, and, you know, we know how edgy it is that it's been for them to wake up to this, but we've got, not everybody's got Jonas in there yet to help them, but they're getting some nuggets of how to deal with this yeah. at this point, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So That's all I got for this episode that I can think of. Do you got anything? Yeah, just that uh, we didn't really... We didn't touch on Lido a whole lot or oh, yeah, Kala that's too a... much. I don't know. There's so much to talk about, right? Um but as far as I am also we, and I really think they, so with Nomi, mm-hmm. it's the transgender process that people can relate to. Right. Right. And pride. And with Lido, it's being a homosexual. Right. And he, his partner wants to be with him out in the public and, you know, express their love and, and he can't and he gets upset in that scene and with Kala, she's got this ancient tradition of 
she wasn't betrothed, but they have certain um, society works a certain way for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert, but I know things work a certain way. And she's got her her peers, like all of the girls at work, love this dude. He's like he's the cream of the crop, and she doesn't love him, and she's really tore up about this. So there's a lot of this not trusting yourself and your ability to make those bet those judgments based in fear if you don't trust yourself and you're not true to who you are as an authentic person so i just wanted to to pop in there and just say that those guys had that journey in different ways throughout Mm -hmm. this episode of how do you do the right thing for yourself and try to please everybody else you're trying to please we went over a lot of things today and we didn't cover everything. So if there was something that you really loved about this episode that we didn't cover or you thought we missed or you have a question or you want to make a comment, hit us up on Twitter. That's at live underscore since eight. You can find out more about our work at consciouslyawesome.com. You please give us rate and review us on iTunes because that helps people find us. And the more people that find us on there helps them know about Sense8 and the magic of it. You can also email us at team at livesense8.com. And if you love the show and you love Sense8, please support us on patreon.com forward slash livesense8 as we continue to keep the message alive. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you next time.